0: In the meantime, just head over to Patreon.com/slash/TheWriterFiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview, and you can upgrade anytime. That's Patreon.com/slash/TheWriterFiles. Help us start something special.
1: Bear in mind, this is this is a teacher who would who had at times read what I'd written rolled up my chapters leaned across the desk and popped me on the head with them and said what were you thinking you know after i got done writing and uh, i got to the end of it and, uh, but i looked at her i just stared at her when she said that and i said what she says you did it these are professional quality writing i do not know if this will be the first thing you sell but you will eventually be able to sell this make sure you hang on to it come back in next week with an outline for the rest of it and and she meant the rest of the novel well, I rolled into her class the next week with an outline for 20 novels and a, and a, and a big old capstone trilogy for the end of the series and just started babbling at the just the maximum word speed of my, my voice would allow about the entire thing. and and she's just I remember the look on her face as I'm babbling for a, a half an hour straight as she's just just nodding and looking at me and and the look on her face just said, I just finally got this kid on board with with what we're doing here. Uh, you know, I don't need to derail it now. I don't I don't need to say anything right now about how it's gonna be impossible for him to sell a twenty book series.
0: And welcome back to the writer files. I am your humble host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. Number one New York Times bestselling author Jim Butcher spoke to me about how he outlined a hit 20 novel series years before he had an agent. Why all steampunks wear goggles and the second book in his cinder spires series the olympian affair jim's the number one York times best-selling author of the dresden files the codex alera and the cinder spires novels the long-awaited second novel in his cinder spires series is the olympian affair described by the author as league of extraordinary gentlemen meets sherlock holmes meets hornblower in a series about noble families magic-wielding warriors and airship battles. Library Journal called it an exciting epic fantasy set in the sky and filled with airships, magic, and the connections of blood and found family. And New York Times bestselling author David Weber said of the book, it's steampunk meets magic with a dose of sci-fi for seasoning. In this file, Jim and I discussed why breaking into print is an arduous and discouraging process. The genre fiction novel class that changed his writing for good Keeping your writing time sacred, when your fans become your boss, how to write a steam opera, his most important legacy as a writer, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of the writer files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us all right are you ready to go mr butcher i am awesome all right well we are back on the writer files i am honored today to be joined by an esteemed guest i have our friend jim butcher is hanging out with us on the show today thanks so much for taking the time to do this absolutely so uh we had some technical difficulties which we often have to just laugh about um but yeah i appreciate you doing this and I, I i'm gonna take you back once again i'd love to talk about your superhero origins as a writer because it seems to me to be the kind of the epitome of what we talk about so much on this show which is you know, accepting, uh, a life of rejection and perseverance. And, um, yeah, you, you've talked about some of this at length, but I'd love to get, get the, uh, the kind of the cliffs notes of this fantastic, um, journey that you've had to bestselling author.
1: Well, I started off when I was 19 years old, I decided that I wanted to be a novelist and I wrote my first novel and it was terrible. I mean, it was, it was, it was long, uh, but it was genuinely awful. Uh, uh, I mean, it's, and then so uh, not to be deterred, because I knew I, I probably wouldn't hit a home run the first time I swung the bat. Uh, uh, I stepped up a few months later and started writing my next novel, and it took a bit longer to finish because so I took more care with it. Uh, and I finished that one, and it also was terrible. So then I wrote three more novels, all of which were bad. And every single novel I'd written had been a swords and horses, uh, Tolkien meets Cthulhu esque fantasy. So after that, I decided I was going to try some kind of X Files sort of thing because the X Files had gone off the air, you know, fairly, you know, fairly, fairly recently right then. Uh, uh, and I was missing it. So I decided to write an X-Files style novel. It was sort of X-Files meets X-Men because I thought that lined up well. Uh, and, and it also was terrible. And at this point I was, I was taking classes, uh, with Deborah Chester, uh, in Oklahoma's School of Professional Writing. And, uh, Debbie was, uh, trying to teach me a lot of really important things about the craft of storytelling, which I was rejecting completely because I, I was busy with the art of writing. So, uh, uh, I was you know, I didn't want to take her advice because I had a bachelor's degree in English literature and uh, Debbie had merely published 40 novels. So, you know, what did she know? <laughs> uh, so uh, in her class, at one point, she suggested to me, hey, Jim, you've been you know, when we talk about storytelling and the craft of, and the craft of writing. You keep bringing up uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer on TV and examples from there and, and Babylon 5. Maybe you should try writing a, a science fiction novel or a, a, an urban fantasy novel. Uh, to which I replied, no, no, I am I am a fantasy writer. I, I know what I want to write. She was like, OK. And and eventually uh, I was taking a, a class called writing a genre fiction novel, where what you did for the semester was write a, a 200 to 250 page novel. And then you got graded on it as if it had been something you were trying to sell to professional editor in New York. And, and that was that was the class. Uh, it was a console class where you went in every week to, to meet for for, you know, for half an hour, 45 minutes. And um, and so I decided that I was going to prove Debbie wrong about everything she was teaching. <laughs> <laughs> I was at that age, you know, uh, so and the means I decided to do that with uh was i was going to do everything she told me to i was going to be her good little writing monkey i was going to fill out all these worksheets and do these outlines and these character forms and then she was going to see what terrible cookie cutter pablum crap emerged from that kind of process i even agreed to write urban fantasy so i did all that and i wrote the first novel of the dresden files uh uh, which you know showed her But I remember, I remember going into the into that class with the first couple of chapters of the novel that would become Stormfront, and handing them into her. And and the way the class worked was you came in with with you know uh, I think I think fifty pages and handed them over, and she she took those first couple of chapters and she she started reading them, and uh, uh, she read the chapters. And normally she would read them, she would make notes, and then she would you would talk about everything you'd done wrong. And instead, she reads the first couple of chapters with just a couple of scribbles in the margins, and she. You know, finishes off and and squares up the pages and sets them down on her desk and looks at me and says, "You did it." <laughs> Bear in mind, this is this is a teacher who would who had at times read what I'd written, rolled up my chapters, leaned across the desk and popped me on the head with them and said, "What were you thinking?" You know, after I got done writing and uh, I got to the end of it, and, uh, but I looked at her, I just stared at her when she said that, and I said, "What?" She says, "You did it." These are professional quality writing. I do not know if this will be the first thing you sell, but you will eventually be able to sell this. Make sure you hang on to it. Come back in next week with an outline for the rest of it. And and she meant the rest of the novel. Well, I rolled into her class the next week with an outline for 20 novels and a, and a, and a big old capstone trilogy for the end of the series and just started babbling at the... just the maximum word speed of my, my voice would allow about the entire thing. And and she's just, I remember the look on her face as I'm babbling for a, a half an hour straight as she's just just nodding and looking at me. And, and the look on her face just said, I just finally got this kid on board with with what we're doing here. Uh, you know, I don't need to derail him now. I don't I don't need to say anything right now about how it's going to be impossible for him to sell a 20 book series. You know, first thing out the gate. And uh, uh, and I got to the end of it and I realized we were at the end of the class and she hardly said a word. And I said, what do you think? And she looked back at me with that look of not wanting to discourage me and said, I think if we can get you to sell a a, a 20 book series, you should be doing fine. (laughs) And because she hadn't told me that it was impossible to get such a thing done, I I went out and, and, and did it. Amazing. That was where I got started
0: it's yeah, truly it's really a cool story and an inspiring story and um we can read more about it over on your website too um under about Jim Gym. that's jim com. but yeah I thought it was I thought it was inspiring the kind of some of the messages there about perseverance and you know really it, what it seems that you had done was you had really studied up you had really figured out that you needed to get in front of your work in front of the exactly the right people and find out where those people were hanging out early
1: on oh yeah well i mean that doesn't that doesn't hurt but i mean after i did that it still took me another four years to get published you know uh, even after i turned those first pages in because it was a matter of getting it to the right people and finding who would you know who would be able to you know finding someone who would represent me finding someone who you know an editor who would be favorably disposed toward it um uh, 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 of being able to get out to conventions and, and actually meet people so that they, they, they realized, you know, they, they eventually came to at least recognize my face. You know, the editors, you know, they, they keep track of that sort of thing. Um, uh, they keep track of who, is, of who is just not going to go away and they take those people seriously.
0: Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, Where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories, wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, Writer's Happy Hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime that's patreon.com slash the writer files help us start something cool and special keep calm and write on a uh, great message is again that stick to and perseverance that you have shown and i thought it was funny that you're long time, uh, online moniker is long shot. And of course I chuckled when I went to your Twitter handle, long shot author. And of course, uh, you, you talk about that, that a little bit, how it is kind of a long shot to get published, but not only that, but to make it, to make a decent living. And yeah, I mean, the evolution of your career has been been really cool to see kind of from a, a 50,000 foot view, but yeah, talk a little bit about kind of, um, the changes that you've undertaken as you've obviously grown into this like number one uh new york times best-selling series and and ultimately others um written for some bigger franchises and and gone on now to this uh this new series of course which we'll we'll talk about but yeah talk a little bit about kind of the evolution of your process and how you've kind of grown as a as a writer
1: well, I've going to say that I think that the most unfortunate thing about progressing in your career as a writer is how much more of your time gets taken up by things that are career related, but not actually writing <laughs> like what we're doing here today. Uh, uh, I mean, this is stuff that, you know, it becomes incumbent upon you to do and that it's, it's good for you to do. Uh, but at the same time, it sort of it, it, it sort of gets harder and harder to get that quiet alone time in front of the keyboard that you need to get things done. So uh, that that is my advice to my, my primary advice to people who are coming out as writers is to make sure that, you know, as you keep going, that you keep that keyboard time, you, you guard that jealously, you keep that sacred, uh, because without that, you can't be a writer. That said, uh, my process hasn't really changed too much. The way I write is sort of a, a front loaded process. I mean, it's difficult for me to get uh, a chapter written until I can see the whole thing in my head. And I sort of have to, to get all the elements and everything lined up. And once I can do that, then I can, get, then I can write the chapter and it comes out pretty quick and easy. And the, the advantage of that process is, is that you usually wind up with a very clean copy because you've, you've worked out a lot of things ahead of time. Uh, so there's not usually major edits to do by the time you get to the other end. The disadvantage, of course, is that you spend all that, that front-loaded time trying to get things done. And so you often can't get it done as quickly as you'd like to. Uh, Although I think that's common for every writer. Uh, Writers don't write as quickly as they want to. They write as quickly as they can. Uh, uh, And that's, you know, that can often bring them into conflict with schedules and occasionally with fans.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, yeah. Talk a little bit about the fandom piece and um, because you built these, these very popular series. And then of course, as you mentioned, you're kind of um, at a point in your career where your name is bigger than the title and you're going out to, places like comic-con etc to meet the fans and and your your upcoming tour of course you you know people are gonna wanna as they always do talk to you about all the things right right yeah so yeah talk a little bit about the fandom piece and and again maintaining your your sanity as a writer
1: i think the first thing you have to recognize if you want to be sane as a writer is that ultimately the fans are your boss it's not your editor it's not the publisher The editor and the publisher also, you know, they they're there to make the money from the fans. And ultimately, it's the fans who decide whether or not you're going to get paid. So a a lot of times I see some writers who come into conflict with with fandom and the fan base. And it makes me wonder because, you know, they're they're the ones who are in charge of whether or not you're going to get that check. Um, so it is, it is incumbent upon you to, to think about them and, and to, to, to figure out what you're going to do at the same time, though, you have to also write something that is true to yourself and your own artistic vision. And I think, uh, striking that balance of, of, of giving the readers what they want and also writing, you know, the story that is in your heart is one of those critical things you've got to do, uh, as a writer. And that can sometimes be a difficult balance for people that said, uh, I have a great time when I talk to my fans, I've got the coolest fans ever uh, you know, they show up and, and, you know, they, they'll, they'll, they've got their stories about, Hey, how, how, uh, Hey, Jim, I was reading this book while my, while my father had cancer. And, and it was, you know, we had been estranged for 10 years when he got sick and we, but we both found out that we liked your books. And so as your new stuff came out, I would just sit down and read it to him, you know, and we got to reconnect before, you know, as he was, you know, as he was in hospice or something like that. And you get these stories, from folks that you know, you never. I never set out to do anything like that when I'm writing. I'm writing my dumb little wizard stories. You know, that's that's how I regard it. Uh, I, I think that because I'm making the genuine effort to to write the best story that I can and create something that people can connect over, uh, which is what I want. I want people to have fun. I want them to be able to excitedly talk to their friends and for people to take up different you know opposing viewpoints on various characters and you know what's going to happen and how are they going to how would they react to you know this situation that's that's clearly coming down the line and uh you know because i've i've made that genuine effort i think you know the the stories connect with with people uh uh and as a result you know uh, they they get it's grown into something a lot bigger than i ever thought it would be uh which has reached out and 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 touched a lot more people than i ever thought would happen um and as a result i'm just absolutely terrified of changing my process at this point It's, it's one of those, if it isn't broken, don't fix it sorts of situations. You know, I don't want to even, I don't want to even deviate from my, you know, from my outline that I wrote way back in the day when I was in college, because apparently that college kid had something good going. I don't want to jinx him. <laughs> I, I've gotten to the point now where it's like, okay, I don't think I can tell the story I want to tell in 20 books. It's probably going to be about 21 or 22 books, um, uh, with a three book trilogy to finish off the whole thing. But, um, uh, uh. uh you know, but at this point, I, I'm scared to change it. It's like, okay, you know what? It's, it's working. Just keep going like you were. And, you know, Try not to screw it up.
0: <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll circle back to that. But of course, um, can't wait to talk about this long-anticipated second novel in the Cinder Spire series. You described it as kind of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen meets Sherlock meets Hornblower and your contemporary peers David Weber called it steampunk meets magic with a dose of sci-fi for seasoning. And of course we're talking about the Olympian affair and uh, yeah, yeah. Talk about your, your feelings uh, going into the launch of the latest, of course, it's been a minute. And then um, yeah. um, I don't know. Yeah. What's the, what is the vibe on the eve of, of this uh, latest tour?
1: Uh, Well, I'm very pleased with it. It was it was a book that I was actually considering abandoning the series and starting something else uh, because it had been so long since the first one. And I I wasn't feeling confident about it. And I wasn't sure that there was really a a fan base for it uh, that would be large enough to support it. Uh, And then I wound up going to Dragon Con last year. And had about 20 different uh, uh, fans come up to me and say, hey, when's the next Olympia? when's the next Cinder Spires book coming out? I really want to see what's going to happen next in that world. Uh, I hope you haven't abandoned it. And I felt so guilty because, you know, I had been considering doing exactly that, moving on to another project. And so I said, OK, you know what? The fans are there for it. I- I've had a, you know, all these people and-, and a bunch of people had also reached out it, you know, over the Internet. And so I'm like, OK, OK, fine. I'm going to get this done i'm going to do you know do everything i can to make this a good book and i I sat down and kind of you know went and reviewed my old class notes and so on to make sure my fundamentals were still sound and started putting this book together uh uh, because you know when you get right down to it every skill uh, uh you know every skill every sport every art is all about fundamentals 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 uh so i sat down and 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 you know outlined the the story and did it just like i would have in class to figure out what was going to happen and sat down and started writing it and uh, lo and behold it, it started going really well for me i mean the story was really working and it really cooked along and i got i got it all written in uh, an unusually short amount of time and uh from a craft perspective i think it's one of the stronger books i've written in a while um it was certainly a whole lot of fun to write which is always a good sign i think um and it, it gets, I mean, I get to include all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, you know, I'm writing a steampunk book with, with duels and poison and talking cats and kaiju and airship battles and all the things that make, you know, fantasy great. <laughs> uh, so, and and, and, and as, as I said, from a craft perspective, I really love the way this stands up. And it, it really, it, it is really, uh, I think I found sort of the vibe and the voice for the series in this book. Sometimes that takes a while to get done. Uh, uh, and I think I've found it in book two of this one and, you know, moving ahead. I think it's going to be, uh, uh, I think it's going to be a really good story. I'm really looking forward to writing the next one.
0: Congrats on the upcoming release of that one. And yeah, the, the title is of course the Olympian affair and the pub date on that one is going to be November 7th. I believe that will be published as of the publishing of this show. So yeah, you'll be out there mixing it up with your fans, uh, glad handing a little bit and, and and enjoying basking in the
1: release. Oh, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Very cool. Um, Yeah. So um, I, I was excited to get a chance to just, pick your brain a little bit of course and uh, again you know you said that you're having fun and it does seem like you're having fun
1: oh yeah i mean, w- I mean if, if you're not having fun while you're writing you're not doing something right
0: yeah definitely seems like you're having a good time and I'll, I'll just do the little blurb here of the book for centuries the cinder spires have safeguarded humanity rising far above the deadly surface world within their halls aristocratic houses rule developing scientific marbles and building fleets of airships for de- defense and trade. And now, of course, spires hover on the brink of open war. I thought it was cool that Library Journal said that the long-awaited sequel to The Air Nuts Win Less is an exciting epic fantasy set in the sky and filled with all of the things we just mentioned uh, and the connections of blood and found family. Talk a little bit about the inspiration behind it. And, you know, it's interesting that you chose um, this kind of mashup of steampunk um, and all of these other really fascinating elements in your work. But it, it, it seems like that's kind of how you came out of the gates, you know, with the Dresden Files, this uh, this wizard, uh, you know, operating out of an office in, in midtown Chicago in the, in the contemporary world. Um, but yeah, talk a little bit about how you chose this particular uh, mashup.
1: Well, what it really amounted to was, I mean, first of all, uh, I, I sort of had an inspiration for, for a steampunk novel, and I, I had this idea for airships and how they would do battle. And uh, uh, after that, I started saying, okay, well, if this story is going to work, let me start putting you know various details together to see how it works. And I was having the hardest time figuring out why people would wear goggles, but I knew they were necessary because it was steampunk, and you can't do steampunk without goggles. It just won't work. So I had to start figuring out, okay, what's a good reason for them to wear goggles? Besides, I don't want to get stuff in my eye. Uh, uh, and so... I started putting that together, which is background stuff that if I told you would sort of spoil the overstory. So I can't. But once I finally worked that out, it's like, okay, well, if that's what's going on, then it follows that. And after that, you just sort of line up the consequences of of the story you've established. So it's like, okay, well, in that case, there's going to have to be cats and the cats are going to have to be intelligent. And so I might as well have them talk because, you know, talking cats are a good selling point. Uh, so you know uh, after we had goggles and airships it's like okay well we're gonna have to have talking cats and and well what is this world like oh we're gonna have to airships are gonna have to be completely vital so what's a good way to do that well what if the surface of the world is just so deadly that humans just really can't survive there with their even with their technology oh that sounds great and so i started putting that together and honestly i think this series is is pretty much a pure science fiction series but nobody else sees it that way Mm -hmm. uh but then again, you know, I thought I thought the the Codex Alera books were science fiction as well, but nobody saw them that way.
0: That's interesting. Um, yeah, the genre characterizations are interesting. I always ask authors like what how they how they characterize the book because so many authors are like, nah, yeah, that's not really how I see it.
1: Yeah, I, I asked my editor if we could put steam opera on the on on the spine, and she's like, that's not a genre.
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well. <laughs> Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm sure that if if bookstores were to add the Steam Opera section, um, that you would just be crushing it over there.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I definitely. I would be the biggest name there. Steam <laughs> uh, Barnes at B and N. If you're listening,
0: who, who else is in that section?
1: I'm not sure who would be there. Uh, I'm sure we could find someone though.
0: Okay. Very cool to get to pick your brain once again. Um. And uh, yeah, an inspiring message, I think, nonetheless, just hearing you wax philosophical about the amount of work that you initially had to put in just to, to get there. And then obviously the perseverance and that arduous and discouraging process that, that any writer that wants to be published has to go through, but then also to maintain a series of, of the length like The Dresden Files that's, and even to launch multiple bestselling series. In a career has gotta gotta be kind of interesting you know as you look back um or look ahead like what do you think as a writer like your legacy is or will be
1: well i think the most important legacy i've got is what i've taught my son uh my son james is, is starting his career he's got his first couple of novels of his first series out and uh, honestly i think he's a better writer than me um He's done a lot of. I mean, he's he's he did a long apprenticeship with me where he worked to to hone his skills. It took him a year less than it took me. It took him nine years instead of ten uh, uh, to get his act together. Um, but he has also done an awful lot of learning by by listening to to what Sanderson has to say in his writing classes. So his style is not his style is not like mine. He's somewhere between me and Sanderson, which I think is probably a really good place to be. Um, and I think he's going to leave me eating his dust in ten years or so.
0: <laughs> yeah that is so cool to see and i did pop over to your twitter and saw uh that and I and at first i was like oh that's interesting and they have the same name and i'm like oh wait that's your son that's so cool what a what a great story that is
1: yeah yeah he's he's uh he's an amazing kid he's gonna do great things
0: <laughs> well that's cool um so are you still in the uh the rocky mountains there in colorado i am just for the record a denver native
1: oh hey uh yeah actually i'm down in monument right now. Cool. And uh, we, are, we are right at the at the bottom of the foothills. Uh, you know, we I I still have issues. I was I was working on doing some crafting for a, a live action role play I was going to, and had a couple of mountain lions make me go inside the house because uh, I decided to hang out in the yard that night. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I still have I, I I still I still get some of the the cool issues I had when I lived when I lived in Evergreen, uh, uh, but I have got way better internet now.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah, and Evergreen is such a quaint little place. And, uh, of course, Monument is beautiful.
1: We've got a street cleaner just happened to go by. He wants to park outside the window right now. Okay, now it's moving.
0: <laughs> of course. This this has never happened on this show. <laughs> the lawn guys always seem to know exactly when we're going to record. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate those guys that blow the leaves, so I was just let them do their thing. Yeah, but it's uh, really cool. Uh, again, to get to pick your brain about this really, really epic career, these epic series that you've created and and these worlds and the fandom that's been built around it. Congratulations on everything. Of course, I want to ask you one fun one um, before we wrap up with your final words of uh, inspiration. But um, yeah, if you could have uh, dinner or drinks or both with any author from any era to your favorite place in the world, who are we hanging out with and where are we going?
1: Uh, I think I'm going to have to pick, uh, Sam Clemens, Mark Twain, a fellow, fellow Missourian, uh, uh and see, see what he has to think. I, I would love to, I would love to hear his take on, on, on the current state of the world.
0: Very interesting. And, uh, where are we hanging out with Mark Twain? I mean, I'm sure that would be.
1: F- oh, um, well, we're going to have to find a good steakhouse. Uh, I, I you, I'm going to take steakhouses living or dead for 500 Alex. Uh, uh <laughs> <laughs> whoops. Yeah, to go hang out at uh, uh, I think it was called the the Golden Bull, which used to be open in KC. It, it closed here uh, uh, ten years ago or so. But they were one of those bring your steaks out, still sizzling on the on the plate sort of steakhouses. And they were they they were also uh, 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 they also had a, a large selection of whiskey and bourbon. So I think Mr. Twain would appreciate that.
0: Oh, very nice, very nice. Um, the the whiskeys and bourbons of the world are legion, and so. Yes. Okay. So, uh, what are, what are we drinking? Is it Buffalo trace maybe?
1: Um, I, I don't know. Actually, I'd let him pick. He, he would probably be, he would probably be better at it than I would.
0: Yeah. Well, he would probably be really happy at the selection. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Um, Jim, we're going to let you go, but before we wrap with your final words, yeah. Uh, I'll point at, of course, your, uh, Amazon page, your home base there, the book, all the things, your Twitter jim-butcher.com
1: or jimbutcheronline.com
0: jimbutcheronline.com Yeah, just
1: Google Jim Butcher. It'll it'll come up.
0: Not a hard man to find. But uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing you out there on tour, of course. uh, I would love to catch you at the tattered cover, but I'm not going to be in that uh, region during that time. But one of my favorite bookstores of all time. It's such a cool place. Um, Yeah. uh, Your final words on just how to keep going.
1: Just understand that if you're a new writer, if you're an aspiring author, you have uh, an opening that nobody else has because the publishers have to publish new authors every year because if they don't, eventually all the old authors die. So you know there is a space for you, which means you are not competing with me. You're not competing with James. You're not competing with, with Brandon Sanderson. You are only competing with the other newbies, with the people who are in your weight class. And if you, if you persevere long enough, if you continue to develop your skills and your story craft long enough, you will eventually be one of the most skilled people in that class. Uh, so it, it, it's sort of like running away from a bear. You know, you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be faster than the guy next to you. And writing is exactly the same thing. So for the folks who are, who are struggling to get in, continue struggling. If you can hang in there longer than the other people, you win. It's as simple as that.
0: <laughs> I love that. You don't have to run faster than the bear. Perfect way to end up uh, to wrap up this uh, fantastic talk. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate you and best of luck out there. We appreciate your wisdom, your words and your time. And uh, yeah, I'll come back anytime.
1: Thank you, man. Thanks for having me today.
0: Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm.